Hello, welcome to the Rotating Bill podcast. Uh, I am your host of it, technically. Uh, I'm Lewis Dunn. Uh, joining me around the table today is uh, Edmund Colley, who is also in Rotating Bill, uh, Lucy Walters, who is a fellow character, and our special guest tonight was Ed Greenwood, who is here. Hello, Ed. Hi. Hi, Lewis. Hello. Uh, so, we've just done the Rotating Bill show. Uh, how do you think it went? Did you enjoy it? Oh, I did enjoy it, yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I last did a stand-up sort of spot of that nature. Uh, but I don't know, it went down nicely well. My material about my uh, horrible slash damaged mother, uh, you know, it got all of the gasps I wanted. Yeah, uh, so you go for horror in your set, don't you? Yeah, That's your, horror. That's your yeah. So we should explain um, to your listeners, Ed is up here at the Fringe. He is not uh, doing stand-up comedy anywhere else. You've missed the chance to see him do stand-up, sadly. Uh, there will be an extract of his stand-up show at the end of this, but he's actually up here with your... Two, three shows? It's, it's two shows, but like I'm doing uh, improv on the side with the Shambles, yeah. Space at Surgeons Hall. Uh, but I'm doing The Room the Musical, which I've got to rush off to immediately after this yes. at 1am uh, for free in the City Cafe. Yeah, it's gone midnight and you still haven't finished your day. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, I won't finish my day until about three uh, tomorrow. <laughs> um, so there's that, and then uh, obviously clandestine sketch show. Again, another free fringe sketch show uh, in Laughing Horse. Yeah, that's uh, 3 p.m. at Jacqueline Hyde. Isn't it? Yeah, well, Jacqueline Hyde. And we should do the ring. The ring musical is 1 a.m. at City Cafe. Yes. So that's all the plugs done. That's the plugs. Now um, we can talk. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to be asking all the guests this: What's Edinburgh this year for you? What do you see it as? Is it is this the year that you want views? Is this the year that you want cash? Is this the? I mean, that's a rubbish. I mean, I, I suppose I, really what I wanted to do was sort of uh, try things out because in the past. I've been I've done improv with the shambles a few times and I, I directed that improv troupe. I had fun. But I've been sitting on these two shows I've co-written and I like them and I know my friends and people that have gone and seen them have liked them uh, The Room, The Musical, Parody and Clandestine Sketch Show but I've been sat on them for a long long time and I really wanted to just see what would happen if I did it at The Fringe and then then I, I, I've got that closure and I can move on and try something new if you know so what I mean this is therapy this year that's what this year is <laughs> it's, it's uh, getting rid of baggage you know once these shows are done I can forget them you know I'll, I'll keep the poster and I'll run <laughs> so you don't, you don't normally do Santa tonight was a bit of a, a bit of an exclusive treat getting you to, to do Santa tonight yeah I think it's good discipline if, if you're doing comedy in any format to try and do stand up because it's, uh, it's, it's just a different discipline it's a different kind of way of doing things it's also the most accessible for a ready audience reaction because you can go into any pub in the country pretty much and do one of their open mics uh, and if you can get on them obviously and then you've, you've got your five minutes there you've got immediate reception uh, because it's people either heckling or laughing at you uh, sometimes both so do you find that you like I get a lot of things that we get told by people is that oh stand-up's the hardest one stand-up's the scariest one I do stand-up uh, you as far as I can tell you've basically done every type of comedy you've done sketch comedy you've done improv you've done written comedy you, like, panel shows panel. radio dramas yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Do, do you agree with that assessment do you like I think I think the thing is um, I know some people treat uh, stand-up as kind of like a conversation and I know that might be the best way to do it but I, my own has been uh, basically almost like a kind of a theatrical monologue with song at the end uh, so it's a mixture between sketch and kind of a monologue really uh, hello Ed Colley stand-up comedian and reporter for teach yourself recorder volume one uh, Ed, um, you've got a lot of musical. There's uh, you do musicals sort of vignettes in clandestine. I saw the show earlier. Uh, very good. Um, and you obviously end on a song in the show. Uh, what would you say your biggest sort of inspiration for your musical comedy is? <laughs> uh, I mean, that's 
Because that, that implies that I'm comparing or derived from... My favourite musical comedians are people like Bill Bailey and Tim Minchin, but that's, I have... That, that's because those are the two musical comedians everyone can name off the top of their head. Everyone can name off the top of their head. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, if I wanted to, I, I'd probably In also art, say someone like Hugh Laurie, just because it's simple songs, but like with a simple joke, but just done well. In art, I was inspired by Picasso and Van Gogh. That's yeah. not exactly like... And, and in cinema, I'm inspired by George Lucas <laughs> and whoever it was that did The Godfather. Yes, you're so into them. Yes, yeah, so into them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so... It's, it's interesting because I especially know with Clandestin, you've been essentially writing that show for four years on and off, really. Yeah. And it's more that... It's, a lot of it's compilation. And, like, it's... it's I, I, I'm asking a lot about Clandestin because it's... Uh, out, of, out of the two shows, it's the one I've seen develop more. Like, particularly because it's taken so long. Is it just this is, like, breaking the seal and going, it's done? And now we can... Well, that's the thing, because Charles, Charles Dean, who's the other person writing and performing it with me in the main, um, is, uh, you know, we've been doing these jokes and their and these characters and their relationships, uh, you know, just for, for years, and we've never really got a, trust, uh, a chance to road test them properly in Edinburgh. Um, and now it's a case of seeing how it goes uh, as you say breaking the seal and then moving on if necessary well I suppose we should we should move on because we've talked quite a bit about um, sketch comedy with you and your, your show at Jekyll and Hyde at 3pm uh, let's talk about the room the musical now right I know that there is a great story to this because it didn't it didn't start off being quite as um, as, as official uh as, as it now is. Well, when it was first done, it was done as a student-free one-off show. So, and like, no one would have ever heard of it outside of the certain university societies. Um, but then it was decided, you know, it, it went really well. We had to turn people away because it was, you know, completely full audience. So we thought, you know, we'd make a good fringe show. But that then, of course, we entered into the fact that it's not because it's parody we're okay to a certain extent but we could be sued by the craziest man on earth Tommy Wiseau I think it's amazing that now as part of your life coming into contact with Tommy Wiseau is now part of your life Come, he's Tommy Wiseau has emailed us and he's tried to sue us and weirdly he has now granted us a license to parody his film which I mean, that, I mean is, that wanted to go into numbers it yeah. wasn't as expensive as anyone thought it would be no not at all uh, and, consi like, and considering we, we you know he even we wrote as a, as a suggestion oh um, you know could we have it so that you know we give you this license you give us this license and you don't sue us ever again thank you and he he didn't he wrote it on the invoice and like just which is just payment information it was there we will never sue you for this show he didn't need to do that he's a very odd man let's put it that way he's very odd I think he's very I mean this is the thing now is now you can just keep doing this as long as you want if you've got that on the invoice uh, well, well only until only for the rest of this run until um, uh, he's he's kindly extended it from our suggested until the end of our Edinburgh run to 31st of December um, well that just means that you can enjoy uh, the Christmas special that you're inevitably building to when we were at the Great Yorkshire Fringe with the promoter took me and the producer aside and said, we've been receiving letters from his legal team, you've got to stop this. <laughs> and then we showed him the invoice and he said, oh, that's no, fine, 100%. I've got two 70-seater theatres in the West End. If, if the show goes well, you can come down. 
bloody hell. And we, we basically went, oh, that's very kind. No, no, we were not doing this again. It is too much stress being sued by a madman. Doesn't matter, because because but even after... Fine. the madman has agreed not to sue. Yeah, but he granted us a licence, then sent those threatening letters to the Great Yorkshire Friends. <laughs> even though he had written in black and white, he well, will I, not sue us. Honestly, I think the best thing that can happen is you end up in a courtroom of Tommy Wiseau. Can you that, imagine? I trial of the century. It'd be amazing fun to watch him obviously lose. And the idea that he would be his own defence to me, so no, because... Uh, no, we won't go into any defects, that might be liable. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ed, it's, uh, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming and doing Rotating Bill. Uh, you were great tonight, it was really good fun. Thank you very much. Uh, for those of you listening, Rotating Bill is on a uh, quarter past 11 every night in the newsroom. Uh, new guests every night, uh, new lineup every night from the core comics. Uh, if you want to come along, check out the website, fourstarsloose.com. You can see what the day on this. Uh, and we're going to leave you now with uh, some of Ed's set that he did tonight. Uh, congratulations, Ed. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks, Lewis. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, are you all well? Are you all happy? All happy? All very happy? Good, good, good. Um, yeah, so basically, uh, you know, uh, families, eh? Families. Relatable material. Relatable. Pardon. <laughs> good? Um, yeah, so, you know, we all know what it's like having families and it's, uh, you know, we, with teenagers and it's, oh, you don't, you don't love me, you don't respect me, you won't let me be who I want to be. And I'm like, go to your room, mum, or you won't be faced tonight. <laughs> She's always on at me, my mother. I hate her. Uh, but I also love her. Uh, I think I have a bit of an odd relationship with my mother. Um, I think it's because I didn't have really much of a father figure as an adolescent. Uh, so she had to fulfill many of the father roles. Um, so for instance, when it came to teaching me the offside rule in a game I never wanted to play and she had no interest in or indeed knowledge of. So, so we'd have, you know, on the table there'd be a bottle of gin and she'd say, that's offside, and she'd drink it as a penalty. Uh, and she would do that for three, four hours until I fell asleep. Uh, the other thing is uh, she would do uh, sort of, like she'd have to do other masculine things. So for instance, when I started growing facial hair as a sort of a, you know, I don't know, <laughs> late teenager, ooh, you know, because you know, terrible hormones. Um, she, you know, I came home from school one day and she said, okay, I'm gonna have to teach you how to shave because you know, someone's got to do it. Okay, so what is important to do is you've got to get the skin nice and wet with warm water, put on any shaving cream, whatever you like, then go against the grain, otherwise when he's fucking you, it'll be really abrasive and he won't marry you. And she cried for three hours. <laughs> it was nice to come home and find that she'd bought some razors and she wasn't planning her dinner. That was, that was great. Um, she, uh, I think, I think the, the thing is, I've ended up with a bit of a, a, an odd relationship with my mother, but I think that's, that's influenced the rest of my life. I think I've been always, um, I don't know if anyone else has suffered from this, but always being the dumpy and never being the dumper. Um, either that's because I am a very trusting, loving person, uh, or it's because it just feels impolite. It doesn't seem like the kind of thing you should do. It feels like giving someone a two-star review, or I don't know, punching Rowan Williams in the balls. It does, does, doesn't seem. It doesn't seem like a very English-British thing to do. It seems very impolite. Um, and I think that's a tradition that goes quite a long way back about, you know, repressing all of that, that horror and what you actually feel, you know. It's like in a Jane Austen novel when, oh, I don't know, Willoughby leaves Marianne, you know, it's, it's just not the done thing. And, and as Mrs. Jennings rightly says to Marianne to console her, um, 
uh, what a dick, I'll cut his nuts off, I believe is the quote. Um, and that persists all the way through, through uh, you know, British history and British culture. And it's not really until the 1960s that uh, things really take off in terms of actually expressing yourself. And, you know, you've got the pill, sexual liberation, but also you've got the advent of rock and roll music. So, you know, you'd have oh, the so-called good housewife, you know, she's, she's made some potatoes, and they've got the wireless on, and it's, baby, you can drive my car, sung by some geriatric Beatles. And then they, uh, you know, the husband says, oh, what lovely potatoes, what have you done to the skin? And she will, you know, listen to the Beatles and then respond with something along the lines of, well, uh, on an unrelated note, if you ever touch me again, I'm going to murder you. I'd rather have sex with the dog. Because um, that's, that's liberation. And I think that's the, that's the thing about rock and roll. I think it's very liberating. And that's something that I'm going to try and do today. Uh, is going to just do a little, little song for you. Um, just to see, uh, you know, what, what comes out. So are you ready for some pseudo-therapeutic rock and roll, ladies and gentlemen? So this is a little number about uh, social anxieties. Thank you. Whenever I start to jiggle, everybody starts to giggle. I've got no beef with them, I've clearly got no rhythm, so I'm dancing with myself. No one wants to boogie with a total fucking loony. So if I'm feeling grabby, I go home and get my tabby, and I'm dancing with my cat. Oh, oh, oh I'm dancing with my cat. Oh, 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 I'm dancing with my cat. I dance a little ditty with a pretty little kitty and I'm dancing with my cat. He's looking a bit confused. Does this count as animal abuse? My eyes are going foggy, crying on my soggy moggy and I'm dancing with my cat. Oh, oh, oh I'm dancing with my cat. Oh, 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 I'm dancing with my cat. Don't dance with people because it's wussy. I would rather dance with pussy and I'm dancing with my cat. He's starting to wriggle and writhe, but I interpret that as part of a jive. <laughs> We're capering and capering, so there is no escapering. I'm dancing with my cat. Oh, 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 I'm dancing with my cat. Oh, 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 dancing with my cat. Don't call the RSPCA, I need this. I'm dancing with my cat. I've seen you lick your own anus, you think you're better than me. I'm dancing with my cat. Oh, oh, oh. If you come out of that flap, you're never being fed again, mother! Oh, crap. Um, <laughs> I've explored some dark places. I'm going to go away now. Thank you very much.